as entrepreneurs, we're all about really delivering great value so that we can receive value. That's how capitalism works. Building great wealth by doing well by our clients. But there's some challenges there. How do we use this wealth effectively with our families to build great families? Well, entrepreneurs aren't always known to do that. Well, I have one of the top coaches in the world who's gonna be joining us. He's led over 600 workshops. He is an expert in empowering families through wealth. Started his career just a little bit before me. We were just comparing notes and in, more on the estate planning side, but saw all the opportunities that were being missed. He's created tremendous buzz. He was even featured in The Secret, the book that sold over 50 million copies. You don't want to miss this. Lee Brower will be joining us in just a second. I'm John Bowen. We're at AESNation.com, all about accelerating your success. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Lee, I am so excited to have you here. You, you and I uh, uh, have known each other for a long time. We've been buddies in the hall. We always stop or in restaurants and that and different meetings and so on. But we, I've never really gotten able to get deep into all the impact. But all your clients are telling me, Lee, you, you got to talk to Lee because he's making such a difference and he's so creative, so innovative. So first of all, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, John. I feel likewise, you know, now that we get a chance to know each other better, I think that's a real blessing for me. Well, uh, on my side as well. And let's, let's make it for all the entrepreneurs that are joining us for this conversation. And, and what, what I want to do, you know, Lee, you're making some big inroads to helping, you know, really people deal with wealth. And as entrepreneurs, we know there's a high concentration of successful entrepreneurs that are building great wealth and how we can really make it even more effective. But I want to get a little of the backstory first. How, how did you get to doing what you're doing now? Well, you know, I came out of uh, college and chose between going playing football or, or getting in the financial services industry and felt like my body would be better served if I stayed in the financial services industry. So I started working with a firm in Los Angeles called Financial Industries Corporation, and they were the largest fee-based firm in the United States, and I was immediately... Uh, uh, you might say, attracted to the area of estate planning. And, and this firm had like the who's who. And I was like a kid in a candy store because they had Dean Martin. They had a former president of the United States as a client. They had, And so I could technically say I worked on their estates, but the reality was I carried the files into their office. But, that that is I, working on the estates here. Yeah, it's, a, it's heavy lifting. <laughs> correct. <laughs> But, you know, as time went on, I had a deep passion. I would actually go to probate court with an attorney friend of mine every Friday just to learn more. As time went on and I developed my own practice and it grew nationwide, I began asking my, myself the question, what is my stewardship responsibility to my wealth and when does it end? And then when I asked that question and looking around, I said, wait a second. If we're such hot estate planners, why is it that 97% of family wealth does not survive that third generation? Aren't we smart enough? 
And so when I asked well, the well, question, stop I on that, just to yeah. get everybody to join us, because this is something you and I grew up, you know, about the, in the late 70s, uh, becoming financial advisors. I went out and same journey. I went out and got I was more focused on the investment side, but I did get my master's in tax. I did a lot of the estate planning. Ultimately, I was in sports and entertainment in L.A. for a couple of years as CEO of a firm. So I had 600 high profile clients. And I saw over and over again between the high tech people I've worked with and so on that that multiple, you know, as you go one generation, two generations, three generations, you know, things fall apart. And boy, that statistic you just shared, 97%. I want all the entrepreneurs who are with us today, you know, 97%. I mean, you, you want to be a good steward. You know, you're working unbelievably hard building this wealth, making a difference in the world. And you wanted to you know, take care of your family, but boy, this can create a lot of dysfunction along the way. And I just wanted that 97% to really resonate with all of us because it's a big problem. It, no, it most certainly is, John. And, you know, uh, wouldn't you agree, you know, how we, they used to always say shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. But lately, with some of the sudden wealth that I'm seeing in families, it's happening in two generations where they, these, well, I think if the second generation has the opportunity to see how hard the first generation worked, they have a better chance with the money. But when you don't even see how hard somebody worked to get their wealth, then it makes it extremely difficult. So I, you know, I fell into this, I don't know if it was a state of depression. But it was like, am I in the right business? And so I actually considered, I started taking courses. I was going to go back and get a degree and, and uh, become a doctor of medicine. And, um, but along the way, I asked a different question. And when the question was asked, I started getting different answers. And I realized that we can make a difference with these families. And so over time, I left the financial services field, uh, probably most recently, just in the last five or six years, completely left. I kind of phased out but then completely left it and said, we're going to focus in on family leadership and developing that family leadership. And so that's how we've evolved to where we are today with Empowered Well. No, that's great. And, you know, this is why I wanted to have you on, Lee, is that, you know, we, we talk about leadership in companies. You know, it's just so important to have the right leadership to, you know, we're, we've got to inspire our team to make smart decisions about the business so that we can deliver great client experiences. We've got to scale it up. We've got to put the systems in place. We've got all these moving parts. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, sometimes we're so busy that we neglect it in our family. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why that 97% happens. You know, what do you mean by family leadership? And how, how, do, how do we as entrepreneurs actually uh, take that responsibility? Well, you know, I mean, people ask all the time, have you done your estate planning? And that's usually a yes or no answer. And I don't believe it is a yes or no answer. I'd like to take the term estate planning and throw it out the window and replace it with family leadership. Because I think family leaders become somebody that, that is working on a regular and ongoing basis. I don't think you can do your estate planning. So many people, I mean, I could probably guess if I was talking to just about anybody on the street, I could ask them, have you done your estate planning? They say, yes. I said, well, what have you done? Well, I've got a trust set up. I said, I said, would you, you know, if I said, uh, will you pay me $100 if I can guess the name of it? And I'd probably win $100 nine out of 10 times because I would just say it's the John and Mary Doe family irrevocable trust. And would you give me another 100 if I could tell you the provisions of it? And I would probably win another $100 every nine out of 10 times. And this boilerplate industry really has become something that 
is designed not to strengthen families, but to tear families apart. In fact, I'm so bold to say that the estate planning that's being done around the world, not just the United States, is doing more to tear families apart than to bring them together. It's taken families from we. I remember an attorney telling me one time, we were, I took him to a basketball game, and he said, you know, I just came from the greatest family. Every time I went to a family retreat with them, they were talking about what we're going to do, and we're the so-and-sos, and we're going to do this and this and this. He said, Mom and Dad have died both in the last year. I went to this last retreat, and they were talking about what's mine. What's my share? What am I going to get? What am I going to do? And the we went out the window. So what I'm watching is a lot of the estate planning takes families from we to me. And, um, that, you know, that's really sad. But that's just one thing now. What's happened lately, I mean, so that's been around for, forever. And especially since they've introduced the estate tax going back to 1914, 13 in that area. And since we've fumbled with that, the emphasis has been on how do you save taxes. And the reality is that what we've discovered over time is that if I could sum it up in one word, one word, what would keep families together and hold the family true wealth together, not just the things, not just the money, but the things they value more than money, I would have to say the word is gratitude. Because gratitude is the opposite of entitlement. And if you can imp implement a grateful attitude, an attitude of gratitude within a family, where it's, it's centered in their heritage and their traditions and, you know, in, in their daily actions, then you've got a great step forward. And that's been a common element as we've studied families over the years. Oh, so, yeah. Well, and as entrepreneurs, there's so much for us to be grateful for. And I really love the concept of family leadership because... Uh, I, I did, as I was saying, you know, a lot of estate planning. I worked, had the privilege of working with some extremely successful clients, uh, some of the most successful entrepreneurs in high tech, sports, and entertainment. And I, I got to say, Lee, that you know, even some of the most creative attorneys, it was cookie cutter type things, and they had nothing to do with the family and, and that what's, I'm even thinking it's worse than you're saying because so many of the people think they got the document done and the world's changed. I mean, the tax laws again have changed so that if you have over five, you were in uh, 2015, I think it's 5,400,000 in the US, you know, and there's now portability, permanent portability between spouses. So if you're married, it's 10 million eight, you can, you know, don't have to pay taxes on it. As entrepreneurs, many of us are gonna go past that but you know, it's it's like the old tale, uh, going ahead and you know wagging the dog. The taxes are not the issue at all. Is how do we build great families that are going to make a difference? No, the tax savings is a commodity, John. It's a commodity. We have enough smart attorneys around the planet that can figure out ways to move the wealth from a you know from one generation to the next without being overly burdened with taxes to do so. What's really important is how do you move the things that matter most. You know, somebody, I mean, look at it this way. Would you rather have Jack Nicholas's um, clubs or would you rather have in trophies or would you rather have his swing and course knowledge? And so much of the estate planning that's being done is how do we divide the clubs up and, and, and the trophies up and then expect them to go out and, and score well on the course just because we divided that up. I think most people would say I'd rather have the, the I'd rather have the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the experience to be able to move forward. So there's so many gold nuggets within a family that nobody knows how to mine. Nobody knows how to take out. That's issue number one. And we've been working on that. We've got lots of examples of families where, for example, an extremely successful family that's in the um, uh, business of uh, steel fabrication. About 13 or 14 years called me ago and wanted to sell me a horse barn. We got talking and he said, I'm thinking about selling my business. I said, why would you sell your business? 
And he said, well, uh, um, I've got five children and we're making enough money that I'm scared to death that it's going to ruin my kids. I said, well, let's talk. Fast forward to today, and this company's doing more than 10 times what it was doing at that time. His kids are involved. His in-laws are involved. He took a three-year sabbatical where he did not call home once to the business. The community work that they're doing, the, minute, the difference that they're making in the community, the, the pride and the enthusiasm this family has throughout is a great testament of a mindset shift where you move to the things that matter most and imagine then that everything else just kind of falls into place. So it's something that we've seen for a long time, but there's another threat right now to the well, family. Save that for a second. I just want to have, Lee, this is so valuable what you're saying. And I want everyone to imagine not a week off, but three years away from the business will use strategic coach termed uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, free days, three yes. years of free days and have the business better when you get back and have all the family involved, that commonality of purpose, mission, values. I mean, geez, I, I'm asking all my fellow entrepreneurs, how would you feel if you had a business like that? I know, Lee, I think I have a pretty good business. I couldn't do that. I mean, this is exciting things that if you could you know, really work toward that, that would be huge. Well, we've got a number of circumstances like that. You know, and you knew at that time about prior to Alexander Haig. You remember Alexander Haig, don't I, you? I do remember that uh, he's in charge, I think, at well, least for a moment. Well, <laughs> he had a show called World Business Review, and he sent a team out just to interview this client because he had heard about how successful they had been. And, it, and they showed it on United Airlines for, I think, 30,000 flights or something. But because it's so unusual that you would be able to see this. Well, now we've got multiple examples of that. And uh, and then, you know, and then that bleeds into their business. It's not something that's limited to the family. It bleeds and overlaps. Families transition from being a family business to a business family. And it's that tipping point. If they don't transition successfully into a business family, then they will lose all of that. So, so for that reason, I've termed a coined the term for the work that we do, the business family coach, because that's that tipping point. Are you prepared to really transition from being a family business into a business family. So now let's talk for a second about the second arrow in the quiver right now, because this is a real challenge. When you look at what's happening in the world, um, I've had the opportunity, you know, uh, Dan Sullivan has talked about it for years. You mentioned Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach. Joe Polish is talking about it a lot. The Abundance 360 that we've attended with Peter Diamandis, um, you know, where we're seeing such exponential growth in global economics, global economics. We're seeing it in technology and we're seeing it in science and medicine. All of these are disruptors. All of these are what we would call accelerators, which create what I call perturbation. This is this is my symbol for perturbation. And it kind of, because we don't even know what questions to ask. When you think about a trillion sensors in development right now, where the technology exists, if I walk over to the refrigerator and I go to open the door, it's going to tell me what my body needs to feed myself based upon what my body is telling that it needs. I mean, that's kind of scary. But two years ago, or year, were two conferences ago, when somebody stood up and said, with all of the sensors that are out there, your children will not be able to lie to you. And they got an applause. And I started thinking about this. I said, wait a second. My children have a right to lie to me. I can't deny them of that right. Because if they walk through the door and I say, where have you been? And they say, well, I've been at Billy's. And the door says, Bonnie. Then I know that they're lying. If they walk through the door and say, have you been drinking? And the door says, yes. And they say, no, because the sensor picks it up when they walk through. 
then they don't have the right to lie. If our children don't have a right to lie, how do we as a family teach them to tell the truth? We're going to have some challenges that have never existed before. We're going to have some opportunities that have never existed before. And as things happen, and you start thinking about, you know, you've heard, uh, John, you know, if you take a piece of paper, just a plain piece of paper, and you fold it in half once, you fold it twice, mm -hmm. it's about the size of your thumbnail. You fold it 10 times, it's about the width of your hand. If you do it 16 times, it starts getting up to our height. 26 times, it's taller than the Matterhorn. 42 times, it's from here to the moon. 50 times, from here to the sun. Uh, it's That's a, a, it's the, such the a great illustration of exponential growth of what's going on out there. You can't even comprehend it. But look at Moore's Law since 1950, late 1950, 59. They said every two years, technology is going to double and the cost is going to drop in half. So how many doublings have we had just since then? We've had quite a few. So what's going to happen over the next two years is we're going to have more knowledge. We're going to have more perturbation, if you will, and the need for more stability. Families are going to be attacked. And what's happening in industry right now, at the center, take the medical business. At the center of our medicine, our medical business, is the hospitals, the insurance companies, more than anybody else, and the pharmaceuticals. Then the hospitals. Then, the, then you've got different associations. And then you've got individual doctors. Finally, you get out here, the patients. We don't even know what to ask. I asked my doctor the other day, what would it cost for this procedure? And he says, well, which insurance do you have? I said, no, no, if, uh, what, what would it cost? If He said, well, I need to know what insurance you have before I can tell you what it costs. What? Well, it's the same thing in the financial services world because there's now with derivatives and technology and everything that's happening, it's scary. So if one question I would have is if I set up a trust, I do this wonderful planning and I use my local bank as a backup trustee or the trustee, who's to guarantee 40 years from now the Bank of Cuba or Bank of China doesn't come in and buy it to satisfy their shareholders and make the shareholders of the bank a lot of money. And all of a sudden, my kids are relying upon Bank of China to be their partner in the will and the trust that goes forward. How do we bring that independence back to the family and put them back into control? So we've created Empowered Wealth has created two different concepts. One we call Empowered Wealth Connect, which is all about training the basics of Empowered Wealth. And anybody can access that. It's a subscription course. They can just get and it's going to continue to grow. The second is what we call U-Link, and we haven't announced that yet, or maybe just announcing it. And it's called the Empowered Wealth Leadership Innovation Network, NK for network, U-Link. We see that as being a nexus where families are able to set up their own entities, their own trust companies in the state of domicile. Very inexpensive to do, but something that needs to be, that they, once they do that, they develop their own autonomy. And then being able to link with best practices through that. Now, there's a number of nuances around that that we're excited to discuss. But one of the things will be that once established, we will not be able to change ownership without the, instead of being like a, a typical bank that can change ownership just when the shareholders say, this case, the actual people that are, that are the clients, if you want to call them that, the member clients, you won't be able to transfer ownership without their approval. So we're looking ahead into the future and saying to ourselves, what, are the, what's, what do our clients want to have? How do they preserve that family unit? How do we strengthen that family unit in all areas, the financial, where they have the right questions to ask, but also in their core, their family, you know, their health, their, their, what we call principles. Values is a whole other conversation that we can have. Values and value-based planning means nothing, nothing. 
because the word integrity to you is completely different than the word to me. Enron had it emblazoned upon our stone in their lobby. And so how do you within family identify principles which are based upon agreements, which are based upon experiences and stories that the family or the business has? And we've become experts experts on mining principles out of family history. So we bring families together. And so we're able to hold them together in that way. So we're seeing that as a nexus so that nobody can sell this out from underneath them. They have control over where they're going. They're not going to compete. There's going to be a role for financial advisors. There's going to be a great role for financial advisors because they can do so with integrity moving forward. They can provide expertise, which is what they're going to need in those areas. Yeah. The banks will still have a need, but they're not going to control and dominate. Well, what I found, Lee, too, I, I've been in court um, where banks have lost their way. And we'll just go with that with very wealthy families where we've sued to transfer the trustees and normally after you know you can get it done but it's expensive and it's only for the larger families to do that and and there's so much turmoil always in the financial services industry that you know this is something where we've got to take more and more responsibility as an entrepreneurial family uh to make sure that we're taking you know these actions that we can control our own destiny and have them aligned with our principles now yeah. what i'd love to do what are you seeing are some of the best practices of you know these successful families? Well, they you know the term legacy. Let's just jump at the term legacy for a second. Legacy in most people's minds leaves, means something you leave behind. I would have to say that what our clients tell us is that legacy for them is what they live, not what they leave. And so they develop practices around going on vacations with a purpose where they actually capture the experiences and the learning. They capture experiences, they name them, they brand them, they put a handle on them so they can transfer from one person to the next. They develop, they develop um, committees within their organization, what we would call the empowered family enterprise, where they develop committees that are living, breathing uh, uh, entities that are able to discuss, document, and make decisions uh, around things that relate to the family, everything from education to uh, outside business activities, inside business activities, family-owned business activities, you know, all of the other issues that are associated with it. Um, and so we're seeing them very active, not in waiting till they sit around the attorney's desk to see what they're going to be doing, but to really be involved now. You know, that's another thing. You know, when I said earlier, I could tell you what Mary and John had in terms of a trust. I could also tell you what it was named, be the Mary and John and here's a document that's intended to transfer the wisdom of this family to the next generation, and you let the the attorney name it. You know, I mean, do, I mean, you wouldn't let the OBGYN name your kids, but here's this document that's so precious, and yet we treat it as just a, a deed to realty or a deed to some asset or a deed to property. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lee, I've seen this over and over again where you know things, a document like that blows up families. I, I uh, have uh, one of my financial advisor coaching clients uh, uh, was one of the heirs to one of the big American fortunes. And he loved being a financial advisor, but he was also involved in the business. And he was the only one of the kids out of three families. So the father had remarried three times and that was involved in the business. And when the father passed away unexpectedly, and I mean, this is you know, one of the be a name that everybody would know instantly. Uh, they went to the, the attorney's office, and this was a family that was very close. 
And when they went to the attorney office and they read who was going to be the executor, and it was the youngest child, it was my financial advisor coaching client. Uh, and the family never was the same. Matter of fact, for the most part, they haven't talked to each other. And the business was sold, you know, a global player to outside the U.S., uh, very dysfunctional uh, for not only the family, the community. And, I, and, and you know, the, the, we, you and I have seen this over and over again, the, the lack of transparency. You know, you're talking about the best practices of so many of the practices that are, we do for leadership in our business, you know, doing it for our families as well, yeah. building that consensus, you know, getting them involved creating that energy around those principles, you know, so that we're, we're all out there making a difference in our families. You know, well we have one client now, John, just to give you a quick example. This just shows you how, where the two guys came together, that one guy bought the other person's business. They had a handshake agreement that once it reached a certain level, which was in the hundreds of millions, that this other person that got bought out could crawl back in for a third of the company. Well, this guy died four years into the program, and now this guy's a partner with the widow. Widow doesn't know anything, and so she sues to get, you know, I mean, to, she's going to sell the business, so he's trying to protect his interest in it. So it becomes this big fight. Things start falling apart. And fortunately, they started putting things back together, and then Empowered Wealth came into it. And I have, uh, in, in the last month, in my email from the widow, an email that says, thank you so much. I had never understood how gratitude could make such a big difference in my life and in the life of this company. And we've watched a complete, what I would call an ocean liner, do a 360 completely around. It's been five years since they died. But we've seen, working with them just in the last year, we've seen this ocean liner turn around and she says, every night when I go to bed, when I kneel down and say my prayers, I'm going to thank God that you shut up in our lives. And um, I'm just the messenger. We've worked with enough families and continue to learn from amazing entrepreneurial uh, uh, what I call gratitude entrepreneurs. Yeah, I that, mean, that well, you're doing. The, I would. You're not the messenger. You're the facilitator. You're help helping to bring that about. And because you and I could also continue and just tell horror stories for the full day without any problem of so many families making mistakes on this, and you know, particularly entrepreneurial as we get more complexity. And this is where you know it's so important to take action. Let's talk about some action. I want to go to the next uh, segment. Book of the day. Let's go, uh, Lee, to, I'm going to pull up your book. Uh, I'm not going to let you go with anybody else's book because you have been out there sharing a lot of wisdom. We're going to tell them how they can get your ongoing wisdom here in a second. But I've got the uh, uh, Brower uh, Quadrant. You know, tell me what this is. Robert Quadrant's a book that I uh, put together the wisdom of what we had accumulated up to about four or five years ago. And uh, I was afraid to let it out because we continue to grow. But each week, it seems like we sell more books than we have the previous week. And we're getting calls from saying, can I get 25 copies? Can I get 50 copies? I want to give it to my family, my friends. my." And what it does is walks through some of the elements that we've just talked about in terms of true wealth. And... Um, you know, I think at the time that I wrote it, I was still in the financial services business, so it has some elements of that in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the principles are true principles, and they're unique. And um, uh, I've gotten continue to get great uh, people saying thank you very much for that. It's changed the way I think, and it's changed the way I work with my clients, or you know, uh, depending on whatever the industry that they're in. Now, I can recommend it strongly, and I want to go to the resources now here. So, you know, in this section, you know, we talk about resources, Lee. 
you know, what I want to do is pull up, um, let me start with your website on empoweredwealth.com. And again, you know, for everybody that's watching the, or not watching this, but listening to it, you can go to aesnation.com, get all the links of everything Lee and I talk about, as well as the transcription, because we don't want you to miss any of this valuable information. But what are they going to find at the empoweredwealth.com? Empoweredwealth.com is uh, pretty much headed up by our CEO, Ron Nakamoto. He, he sifts through the contact. He's travels around with me and sees what I'm doing. He puts a lot of contact there, uh, content. But it also will open the door to some other things. I do a, a broadcast every Monday morning. It's free. It's called Meaningful Mondays. It's based upon how to make your year more meaningful. And uh, I think a lot we've gotten a lot of people that really enjoy it. It's about a five to six or seven minute uh, extemporaneous broadcast from wherever I'm at in the country. Uh, we started that a year and a half ago to make things more meaningful. We've got uh, invitations. We do a thing called ACT 215, 2015, which is Ambassador Collaboration and Training. This is not a subscription or a monthly fee to become part of our thing. This is an opportunity to come in and learn the basics about what we do so that you can share the basics. It doesn't give you the depth or the, that, you, that you, some of you may desire. That's something else that you can talk about, but allows you to share the depth, the, the basics of it. And we have people from all professions that come in and go through and get certified. And then they have to come back each year and get certified to make sure we're still they're still telling the correct story. We're very, very careful about making sure that people tell the correct story. This is not a money maker for us. This is more of a way to spread ambassadors out there that can can carry the true message of what we're doing. Yeah, this is great. Let me let me go in the last segment here, which we call takeaways. I've got some uh, big key takeaways. I've got actually a pretty full page of notes. And I just want to go, uh, as tradition, I usually do three. And the first one, I, I want to, you know, for all of us, as a fellow entrepreneur, I want to address you one-on-one -on -one and say that number again, 97%. You're out there making a huge difference in the world. You're creating tremendous value. You're realizing that value, and over time, you're going to continue to build wealth. Well, Lee pointed out a number that we should all have etched in our mind, 97%. 97% of the family businesses do not last through the third generation. And I can tell you, I've met a number of them that are dysfunctional at the second and a few at the first, but that's our own fault. But, you know, we've got to take responsibility. And the second is uh, I love the term family leadership. We, we spend so much time building leadership, uh, you know, powerful senior team that's driving our business, you know, ideally so that we're less important in the organization, maybe even take that three years off or maybe you know, at least a few weeks. Well, take that responsibility with your family too. Think of the difference. You know, you're not there. They're reading the will in the attorney's office, the trust documents and so on. You know, is it going to bring the family closer together and do everything that you want and have that continued? You have that opportunity now to really build that. And, and the third part is that legacy. I, I think, you know, the legacy part is such an important one. You know, many of this, you know, our businesses are our babies. We're really wanting to make a difference. We want it to continue beyond ourselves. Well, we need others, our family, to be supportive of that. Let's make sure they are. Lee, I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing your great insights. These are, have been invaluable. 
And the way they become extremely valuable to you, quite simple. You have to go out, execute. Get Lee's book. Go ahead and you know go to the AESNation.com. Make sure you've downloaded the show notes, uh, the transcription. Uh, follow up on these and bring your family together and make sure you experience the gratitude. Share it with them. This is something we should do each and every day because everyone who's a successful entrepreneur is truly best. Your clients, your future clients are counting on you. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.